first and foremost, I'm going to put in the a link for the AICPA Cannabis Conference. It's a three-day conference this year, Denver, Colorado, at the Grand Hyatt. It's going to be super fun. Um, the August 8th to 10th, again, I think it's a Monday to a Wednesday. I will be there. I help plan the event. I'm speaking at least three times, including opening remarks on day one and including the final fireside chat on day three. I'll also be speaking on day three about how to get into the cannabis niche. I think on day two, I'm talking about raising capital. I moderate a couple more sessions, and I think we have two other dope CFOs speaking as well. So we're going to be you know, immersed completely within this event. So there is the link. You can check out the agenda as well that I just talked about. So I hope to see some of you there. Now I'm going to put a couple of links. Let's talk about Harborside. So Harborside has been around um, quite some time. Let's go ahead and put this. Um, I just Googled this one today, a PR Newswire. Um They've been around kind of since the original OGs, basically, in California. They had a long, long lawsuit, which I was actually trying to find if they're... I think they did their last appeal. I don't think they can go higher, but I could be wrong on that. They're either at their final, final appeal, or maybe they can take it to the Supreme Court, but I'm not certain on that. So you can you can Google yourself on that. So this, this came out just... Um, Wow, it says May 19th today. So this first link, I won't read this all. It basically just tells what the heck is Harborside. It is a publicly traded company now on the, on the Canadian Stock Exchange. So you can buy shares if you want. Um, this article I posted about, they're doing another acquisition. Um, I'll just read you. Harborside is a vertically integrated enterprise with cannabis licenses covering retail, major brands, distribution, cultivation, nursery, manufacturing is one of the oldest and most respected cannabis companies in California. I'm reading this, by the way. Founded in 2006, Harborside was awarded one of the first six medical licenses in the U.S. Today, the company operates 14 dispensaries um, all over California, Oregon, um, Oakland, da-da-da-da-da. So, um that's just kind of the background, and if you want to follow them as a publicly traded company, of course you can. The Another thing I'm going to link in here is we have a pretty, again, toss in questions on the event, Harborside, or anything else, and I will get to those. Even if you're watching the recording later and you post a comment, I will should usually see it and can answer things later. So I'm going to post in our blog. This blog was done a little while back on the case review. Um, this one through the courts for years. And so first and foremost, when I'm guiding any client, I've been involved in many, many companies and many, many pieces of litigation, both as the prosecuting side or the defending side. And litigation sucks. Um, it it costs a lot of money. The way I look at it, whether you win or lose, you both sides lose, the attorneys win, they get money and fees, and that's the way it is in this system in under the U.S. And so if I was a cannabis owner, a dispensary, I want to focus on my brand and market share and revenues and growth, get to an exit. I don't want to waste my time, A, trying to beat 280E, and B, spending my time in the courts. Yeah, it's a noble cause to try to... Um, you know, overturn, is this unconstitutional or whatever, some of their claims. But you know what? More likely than not, 
we're going to get federal legalization before we win it via the courts. Um, the, so right now, I was on the AICPA planning committee yesterday with some big national firms. They were talking about some lobbyists that were actually in a famous senator's office yesterday and just talking about what's the latest status. We're so we're as close as we've ever been to federal legalization. We may not get there quite yet, but we've got the house is pretty much there. Um, the president would likely sign. And how many votes short are we in Senate of 60 votes? It looks like two or three. There's very good chance we'll get Safe Banking Act tagged onto another bill, which would be awesome in and of itself. But as far as full legalization, who knows? It's probably coming. So that's so. First and foremost, tell your clients you don't want to waste your time with lawsuits. You'll spend a fortune. You'll lose no matter what. And so, at the end of the day, Harborside, I'll just cut to the the chase. Yeah, they lost and they had to pay eleven million in fees. But then you ask yourself, well, how much do they pay on attorneys' fees with these bigwig attorneys fighting this case for years? I would say easily another 10 or 11 million um, or, I mean, I could be wrong, but I know how much attorney's fees are and it's, oh, hey, Mary Beth. Um, yeah, so there, you just don't want to be in court. So let's learn from Harborside. And, and the, the other backdrop around this and as the IRS comes in, they're winning every case pretty much. They're winning big fees from even small. I mean, go back to the altar meds. They were just a small little farm in Colorado, and they lost a big judgment. I think it was close to half a million. And so the, the IRS, in a TIGDA report that came out last year, they are focusing on cannabis to audit because it's low-hanging fruit for them. They can get more dollars per audit out of the cannabis field. They know when they did a review of, I think, 400 tax returns or something on the West Coast a couple of years ago, they found that I think 80% of them were wrong and they were mostly wrong, almost all of them, underpaying tax. Not surprising. I still, via our community of Dope CFO, we, I think we are the leader. There's over 500 of our Dope CFO VIPs in all states. We talk about this daily, new clients, et cetera. Most farms, dispensaries, whatever, manufacturers, probably easily eight out of 10, their books are nowhere near correct. Their tax returns aren't correct. The books are on the dope CFO program to come and fix that. But three major strategies that have been tried and failed over and over and over again are, well, first off, trying to say it's unconstitutional. You'll, you'll have quite a battle on that one um, with the courts. Then just people just shoving stuff into cost of goods sold. That was the really way back in the day. People were just like, oh, let's just put stuff in cost of goods sold because they won't let us deduct it elsewhere. That's an idiotic idea, in my opinion. Um, Non-cannabis divisions that, oh, yeah, I've got my T-shirt division in this half of the store and my cannabis division did $10 million. They sold 50 grand of T-shirts and we're going to put $2 million of cost in the T-shirt division. Won't work. Bad idea. You can get a little bit of dollars back on your, your non-cannabis division if it's substantial relative to cannabis, if it's accounted for separately and it's profitable, or you can show a really clear intent to profit. Um, so be careful on that. Then, of course, there's the multi-entity structure. Again, Pitched by attorneys all over the U.S. Let's build out these. And the flowcharts are getting a little bit simpler. They used to be crazy where you'd see a piece of paper literally with a box for every entity and arrows and consolidations. I'd see a piece of paper with literally 50 boxes. 
It's like, just think of the accounting and tax cost of that alone, even if it was legal and doing something good. Um, not to mention, can anyone actually understand it? That's not the best idea either. As a matter of fact, using multi-entities to try to move costs around can actually backfire and you can end up with double income on phantom income and pay more tax. So it can actually backfire on top of all that. And oh, by the way, when an attorney gives you this strategy, pay me, I'm going to set up a bunch of entities for you and then see you later. And then, oh, three years later, when you get sued or whatever by the IRS, are they going to join in with you and help you defend their ideas? No, they won't. As a matter of fact, if they defend cases, they'll charge you even more money to go into the courts for years. And so again, be super duper careful on this. You can Google. So again, in our case review, we do a deep dive into this, um, about 280E applying. Um, another item that's come up a lot, can 263A be used to pour more cost into inventory? which flows into cost of goods sold? Um, the answer was no. They they specifically said that in there. Um, okay, so now, um, and again, I already talked about this. So how, one of the harbor side, was it a single business or multiple entities? And the court, again, upheld and the activity has to be done regularly and continuously, be substantial, intent on making a profit. You also have to account for it separately. Um, the... Another one about this, um, the definition, and let's go back to 280E for a second. 280E basically says you get no deductions or credits if you traffic, in, and traffic's a key word, if your trade or business traffics in cannabis or heroin or other Schedule One and Two drugs. So first and foremost, in 280E, it says trade or business. It does not say legal entity. So again, I've said this so many times. People are like, well, what if I have two LLCs and a C-Corp? doesn't matter. If the, the courts come in and say 280E doesn't apply to entity structure, it applies to a trade or business. So I could give an example of a client here in town or former client, dispensary owner. And if the IRS drove over to his shop, they'd look at it and they'd be, hmm, this looks like a, a single location dispensary. It's one single building and it's a small building. Um, but then when they look at the legal structure, it was like, huh, there's eight legal entities here. Why is that? That's very interesting. Is that actually eight trades or businesses that are all owned by the exact same individual? Um, you're going to have a really tough time with that that um, that language. And so, what the, I'll just read another quote. Um, I'm just going to post this quote. These are both quotes out of the. Um, Judge's mouth, not mine. <laughs> um, and activities, trader business. I already read that one. This part about to answer it, we primarily, when they're looking at, is this one trader business or eight in this case that I'm talking about, we consider the degree of organizational, doesn't say anything about legal or entities, organizational, economic. What, what, are, what are those two words? Organizational, economic. They are broad, broad business words. They have nothing to do with legal entities or accounting codes. They're very broad intentionally. So they're going to look at these economic relationships of these undertakings, the business purpose, which is or might be served by carrying on the various undertakings separately or together. And so basically, if you want to go down the multi-entity or whatever, you better, like say you have an IP company or a marketing company or a or management company. How are you going to do that if you're going to want any value? You want to have real clients 
clients of that company that are not you or one of your your sister or your wife, real companies that you're doing real business with, that could help help um, describe that piece. So be super careful on that. Um, here's another um, good article from an attorney about the appeal. I'm going to go ahead and post that in so you can read that one later as well. Um, where was it? Um, here it is. There was something here I wanted to say. Cases dragged on for years. Um, Judge Daniel Bress wrote a 19-page decision. Um, so anyway, read that again as well. And it reduced. It talks about the taxes again in there as well. Um, and, and also how 471.3 applies. But at the end of the day... Harborside tried to argue almost everything, unconstitutional, multi-entity, non-cannabis divisions, um, oh, we're a, we're a manufacturer and not a dispensary. They tried most every argument and they spent a lot of money, a lot of years, a lot of time, a lot of losses. So again, if I've got a friend and I get asked this all the time from people I grew up with, oh, we want to open, what's the best one to open, dispensary or farm or whatever? How should we do this? How do we beat 280E? I tell them, don't beat 280E. You want valuations aren't based on net income in this industry or many others as well. They're based on um, revenues, growth, brand, et cetera, um, location of your dispensary. So anyway, I will quit pre preaching on this. I think I've given you enough info to dig in deeper if you want. And um I will see you all next week. If you're an accountant that want to learn more about our program, um, just check us out at dopecfo.com.